Justin Collins. Hey. Welcome back. Thanks for coming back on. Glad to be back. It's been a minute. Talk to me about the new Justin and the Cosmos, Cosmics record. Uh, Where'd you guys record it? Um, <clears throat> we recorded it at Creative Workshop. Do you know where that is? No. Barry, Barry Hill. Oh, okay. Cool. Buzz Kaysen started it. I think it was the first studio at Barry Hill. Really? Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, it's on the same property as Blackbird. I think I do know. It's right too, next Blackbird. to it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I do know. Yeah. Great studio. Uh, straight out of the 70s. It's still kind of immaculate. Amazing gear. Amazing console in there. Um, yeah, that's where we did it. Nice. Yeah. What was the process like? I know you had come a couple of years on the show, and you played Born as Fuck. Um, Damn, did I play that? Yeah, you, you wow. played that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, were these songs that you've had for some a them, while? Some of them, yeah, I've been stewing for a long time. Some of them were brand new, about half and half. Okay. Probably. Yeah, nice. Yeah. It's wild. I can't remember. I, can't, I forgot that I had played that. Yeah. It must have been brand new. Yeah, yeah, uh, you played that in Ripping the Heart. Okay, yeah. It was badass. Yeah, we were in your little... Apartment, apartment dude. Apartment. I know it's come a long way, hasn't it? <laughs> Look at this place. Yeah, I know it's it's glamorous. We're in a we're in a basement. You you went from being in some dude's apartment to some dude's basement. <laughs> it's it's a lateral move. I swear we're going up, even though yeah. we went down. Yeah, feels like it. <laughs> uh, who produced the record? Uh, me. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hell yeah. 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 So, what was the the process like going in the studio? Did you have a vision in mind already? Uh, I don't think so. I don't really ever have visions to a certain extent. I, I think it's more of like a uh, an energy feel thing. I know just where energetically we need to be. Um, we did it quickly. Like, you know, I knew all the songs really well. Mm -hmm. The band sort of did, knew them well enough to make it happen in the moment, you know. Um, but it was definitely not a rehearsed or practiced thing. Well, um, it's very raw, I, yeah. but I feel like that's wh what you guys do best. Yeah. Yeah, we try to keep it that way. Try not to practice too much. Yeah. <laughs> Although we should. <laughs> practice can be overrated. Uh, practice makes pretentious. Yeah. Um, so when you're, uh, going into the studio, you mentioned that the energy level, where, d how do you get to the energy level that you need yourself to be at and that you need the band to be at? Uh, that's a mystery. <laughs> I don't it's, know. It's, it's ethereal. It just happens. Yeah. It happens. Punk rock. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I just feel like anytime you pick up an instrument or have something to say and it's being recorded then if you can't tap into some kind of vital force inside of you then you shouldn't be doing it you know yeah and i've never had a problem with that um whether it translates that way or people can relate to it or not that ain't my problem but you know i don't have a routine or some kind of secret sauce that makes me find that energy you know yeah um it's just there, and if I don't tap into it, I go crazy, you know. 
Have you ever read Catching the Big Fish by David Lynch? Uh, no, but I love David Lynch, and I, I haven't read that yet, but you're like the third person that has asked me that hey. in the last two months. Well, it's... Um, but I love him. It's a great, um, it's a great book. Um, he talks a lot about meditation, but he also kind of goes into all of the, the different like, highs and lows of his career in this book, but it's all in very short passages. Like there's no, they're not even chapters necessarily. It's almost like poems about like Mulholland Drive. Mm -hmm. It's like a page and a half. Um, but it's a pretty quick read. It's kind of like a coffee table book that you just kind of open up and flip to a page. Yeah, it sounds like the way he talks when you see. Like, yeah, when you, it's very stream room, of consciousness. It is. He's yeah. totally tapped into that, um, yeah. which is beautiful and which may be why I love his art so much because I'm kind of stream of consciousness in a weird way, not... I am when I write, but it's not in a way that doesn't change or evolve, but like I'll sit on songs for years, you know, like until every single word, if it's not exactly how I need it to be, then I won't put it out. I don't care how long it takes, you know, um, but the recording aspect is very stream of consciousness. I don't really go in there with other than a basic energy expectation. Um, usually yeah it's it's it, mistakes are good you know what i mean yeah. when mistakes happen though that's those are the best parts yeah um, well it's uh and i expect those too you know like bob ross says you know they're they're happy yeah. little accidents right yeah well the, i think that's what really captures the real you know uh jimmy page he talks about that with zeppelin he said there's he leaves all his mistakes in mm -hmm. um just the the raw well it makes it sound human you know mm-hmm so many people don't do that, and you can tell. Yeah. Yeah, well, everything <laughs> is produced to, to shit now, you know? Um, it's all – and I, I've, I've been super lucky. I've gotten to record. I just love how basic that's become. Like, it's like everyday talk for everyone. Well, what's that? It, that everything is produced to shit now. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like it's, everything is over says that. Overproduced. That's how fucking crazy things are right now. Yeah. And, in any entertainment industry, I feel like, yeah. you know, um, which is in a way beautiful for us because, you know, us as in like, I don't mean that in a condescending way. I just, it's beautiful to have that to work against, mm -hmm. to try not to be, Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, it's like you, you open up TikTok or anything like that and everything um, it's just drum machines everywhere. I still everywhere. have never even opened up TikTok. <laughs> Congratulations, dude. Don't do but it. I, yeah. Don't do it. Um, it's, it's, it's not worth it, honestly. Open it up. Um, yeah, you just listen to a lot of the music that's, that's on there. And I'm, fan, I'm a fan What's of... What's on there? Like, what is the music that's... Everything. Everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. But a lot There's of... It's not a TikTok genre. I would no. honestly say that there is. So... I would say in 2020, when I first kind of got familiarized with it, I had a roommate who was like several years younger than me. So he told me about TikTok and he, uh, he's from West Virginia and he kind of talks like this. He's like, dude, you need to get on TikTok. He used to be the producer on the show once upon a time, but he, um, he would tell me to check out all this different music and I was hearing all these songs on the radio and what I had noticed is that the bass was super 
present in everything. There's uh, like uh, Doja Cat, she had uh, Say So, which actually Dr. Luke produced. And then there was just a couple of other songs like that that were really almost like the 70s, 80s inspired funk rhythm section um, that I kind of noticed was a trend, especially after that Bruno Mars record that was probably like five or six years ago, after Uptown Funk and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I, I, I like that. I, I, do, I do like that song. Yeah, I, like, um, I love it. I'm not laughing. I'm yeah. laughing with you. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think just the, uh, the DIY kind of ethics, um, there's, it seems to be pretty strong here in, in Nashville, and I feel like, especially the East Nashville scene, it's isolated in a way from everything else in Nashville, which is both bad and good because you start to get burned out playing the same five or six clubs over and over again. you got to get burned out. I mean, if you can't get burned out, then you need to try harder to get burned out. Yeah. That's like, that's the whole, that's the whole thing. I mean, I've seen so many people fall and quit and give up and just from, they, you, you get burned out, you know, but like, that's the whole fucking, that's the shit. Like when you're there, that's when you really have to dig deep because you're down and you're down way down past the bottom and that's where you really start finding things for yourself yeah for your soul you know um no absolutely yeah i think anytime you're kind of in that place in life where you're down and out that's an opportunity where you have the most to learn when it feels like a job and like an obligation and you know those aren't great things but if it's something that you're doing, if it is a job that sucks, you know, that's a different story. But when it yeah. comes to art and, you know, that that place to be where you have to make yourself do something mm-hmm. is that's that's like where I think any artist should. You don't want to be there, but if you're not there, then you need to find a way to, to get there, you know. Well, Danny yeah. and I were actually. I mean, I lo- oh, go ahead. Uh, sorry. Uh, we're talking about something similar um, before the show, just having the, the peaks and the, the valleys mm-hmm. um, and that both are necessary. Absolutely. And you don't stay at those peaks very long once no, you get up there. No, and, and that's good. You shouldn't, yeah. you know, um, because it's just as detrimental as the, the low. In between, though, is like that's a scary place to be, too, because that's like the numb aspect. Yeah. It's funny. I, I wrote a song called Super Blue, but it's about depression. It's on the new record, but the last verse talks about that. It's like, a, it just, well, it starts, it, it kind of starts talking about depression when you're first having depression and how it kind of gives to you and it's kind of intoxicating and like beautiful. But then when it gets real, real, it gets real, real. <laughs> it's Quick. like shit. Yeah. I thought I wanted this. I thought, you know, and then then you don't. And then there's like the third phase, which is the scariest phase, I think, is when you're just numb. You don't feel anything. Um, but that last verse in that song, it's, uh, it's super ble- being blue, then it's behind you. There are no valleys or peaks anymore. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. So I wonder if I'm blessed or, pr- or pleasantly depressed. That's beautiful. <laughs> Poetry. <That's> sad. <laughs> but I try to make it funny. Um, but yeah, it's the same thing. You know, those highs and lows are like, that's, that's where it's at, man. Unfortunately, a lot of people think you have to suffer to make good art and 
you know, there's beauty in suffering, but you, you can't avoid suffering no matter what, but it's scary whenever you find ways to harm yourself just to get there and feel something, you know. Well, that's what David Lynch, he kind of talks about meditation a little bit and says um, he has like a very Buddhist mindset where life is already suffering. Yeah. Why are you going to make it harder for yourself yeah. than it has to be? Yeah. Yeah. And the suffering, like that's the work. And he always, I've heard him say before, it's like, enjoy the doing, enjoy the work. It's so hard to enjoy the actual doing of the work because you're thinking about a high or getting away from a low just like enjoy the work you know well it's being present which i think yeah. being present is very difficult yeah especially for uh especially when you're suffering yeah when you're <laughs> suffering when you're a creative person who yeah. you're trying to have some kind of career you want things to work out you're working a shit yeah. job you're in a fight well, that's your... the whole problem too is like that perspective is trying trying to make art a career and even says this i mean if you're of course, as an artist, it's, it'd be nice to have a career doing it, and but that's not. If you're forcing forcing it and putting too much energy in that, then it's not art anymore. You know, it's just not. Has you, your view changed of that over time, or is that something you've always kind of? I've kind of always been that way, I think, um, but I'm definitely a victim of trying to force things like I don't do that so much anymore I have people that help me <laughs> um, to the, for the most part but uh, yeah I definitely went through a stage of that and, then, and it's terrible yeah it's awful we yeah. got we all know we all can you know we, we all know that oh yeah um, it's horrible but you know for me I just like I don't know at this point with what I do I'm just Fortunately, I've hung in there and just carved out a life for myself that creates space to make art. And, you know, I also just think that if you're not living a real life and doing real shit, then your music's not going to, your art is not going to be real. Yeah. You know? um, there's always exceptions, I guess, but in general, I mean. You well, know. you have to have experiences to have something to talk about. Sure. Yeah. Even if it's kind of seeping in i think that the best songs that i've ever written are songs after i've had some kind of experience mm -hmm. um and it probably wasn't the most positive experience mm -hmm. you know like, like there's very few songs out there that are about sunshines or sunshine rainbows and yeah. like happy days yeah you know you, you don't find and when they are they're usually there's there's it, it's usually not it's just that on the surface. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. But that's why I love some of that old jazz shit and like uh, the songs that are just so simple and about mundane things and beautiful moments because they're so, you can just feel the tension behind yeah. it, how dark and menacing. You've got to have gone to a really dark place to be able to sing about sunshine and rainbows and mean it. <laughs> you know <laughs> did you ever see the movie whiplash yeah yeah i don't know how I, I i there was things i liked about it but i don't know maybe it was just like we said a, a little a little too hollywood for me okay um but i there were lots of things i liked about it what did you like um, about it the intensity the whole discipline intensity thing you yeah. know for me i can just relate to it because I, I like i grew up like playing basketball I was in a basketball family and 
I had people like that in my life, and there's a lot to learn from that, you know, like, um, there's just a lot of beauty in that intensity, and like, it, it's, it's, it's the only thing that matters, mm -hmm. you know, um, but it's funny, because when I started playing music, I came to music to get away from that mentality, mm -hmm. you know, but yeah. that was, a, it was a, that was a burnout thing, too, and I super, felt super obligated, but I didn't like that there, there just wasn't any meaning behind the sport thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But there's so many tools to learn from that. Well, I um, think there's a lot of transferable um, mindsets, if you will, for something like that. I, I was pretty lucky where I, I did have a music teacher. He wasn't that intense. He was maybe 75% there mm -hmm. you know he didn't throw anything at me ever yeah but he definitely really fucking pushed me and even if he knew i was having like a a horrible so that's day what's, now i know what's wrong with you yeah, yeah <laughs> it was that sure. guy yeah <laughs> um but it, it was such a yeah. big influence no, on my life yeah no and i i have had similar experiences that's what yeah the, the, the what did you like about whiplash i think well that i think um just the pursuit like it seemed like the the main character Andrew he wasn't trying to be famous he was trying to be the best that he could be mm -hmm. and that's what I really fucking loved about it. There was some shit I do agree that was kind of Hollywood where his hands were bleeding and shit and he was having to tape it up and ice him and and shit. But the other thing that I thought was was real too was just his interactions with people that had nothing to do with music, like the relationship with his father. Yeah. Like, you could see at the end, like, there was this look of horror on his father's face as he saw that his son finally became what he wanted to become. But it's like, what is his, yeah, the rest of his... chills a little bit. Yeah, what that, is the rest of his life going to be? Right. Or um, that girl that he was dating, that whole situation, mm -hmm. where he broke up with her at the restaurant, um, and he was in pursuit of this thing to, be, to become great, truly great at something... And he had to drop everything else in his life. Um, and even in that moment, the, what she says to him, she says along the lines of, you know, I'm just some stupid girl. I'm forgettable. All of that. What she's saying is also valid because he was honestly kind of a dick. Like that scene with his family where they were having dinner and he was. Making yeah. Not, I mean, when you, yeah, yeah. You are a dick when you become that person. Yeah. You know, like absolutely. you have to either cut ties or hurt people yeah. you know when you when it's that when it means that much to you i mean it's you are a dick because <laughs> nothing else matters what do you think you know, it, after that show ended after that big drum solo at the end what do you think happened after once the movie was done like once he finally did what he was looking to do what do you what think? do i think happened or what would i what do i hope happened both um, I think he probably had the confidence to go on and do his own thing and not be under the reign of terror. Uh-huh. Um, which I guess is maybe also what I would hope. Yeah. You know, to bring some sort of peace back into your life and maybe... Okay. Maybe have okay. actually have some relationships and, you know... I have the opposite um, view. <laughs> Good. 
I, I, think, I don't even know why I'm talking about this movie. I hate this movie. No, I'm kidding. I, don't hate um, I think he ended up dying young, probably drunk and full of heroin and all oh, the things that shit. he saw. Okay. His, and that's why his father... So then he got the, real good. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> he achieved everything he wanted yeah. to achieve. But it's like, at what is the, the price? Right. You know? Yeah. I think that's... What's there? Yeah. yeah, that's the whole thing. It's yeah. like... There is no end goal. Like, there is, there's no prize. I no. mean, it's the journey is, like, well, everything. Wouldn't it be nice you know? if there was just a moment where you could feel like, I've done it. I've made it. I've felt that way. At times, it doesn't last long. Like, yeah. I felt that with this record. I mean, I've, I have to say that I've probably felt that way about anything I've ever put out, but that's why I put it out, because I felt that good. You felt strongly it doesn't. It. It, do, it doesn't last long, yeah. you know. Um, but, yeah, I felt that way. But also know it doesn't last long. Yeah. You know. But those are those little peaks. Yeah. You know. Um, and yeah, just anyone's you're lucky to have any of those at any time in your life. Did you see anything. the the movie I'm Still Here, the Joaquin Phoenix? Do you remember? Yes. I did love that movie. Y yeah. Well, there's that scene with uh Edward James almost. I think that's his name. But it's um it's in the trailer for the movie, but he uh, he talks about uh, your uh, your mountain top water drop, and you say to yourself, "I don't belong in this valley, this deep dark ocean." Um, and he goes on to give his whole monologue, uh, and of course, the, the, for those who don't know, this is like he's it's basically like a satire of Hollywood. Culture. Oh, I know. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's one of the most brilliant art movies, I feel like, in our time. Yeah. I mean, just the whole the whole thing. He had everyone fooled. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, so... For insane. Those... Just the, the Letterman interview and all that stuff, yeah. man. Like, they, they fucking pulled that shit off. Like, yeah. Definitely, yeah. It, it was... Amazing. I remember it was a big deal. Cause amazing. It was amazing. And then he did the master, like, a year or two after that yeah. and was, like, the size of a, my freaking pinky. He, remember how much he, he was fucking huge yeah. during that, and then yeah. he did the master, which is one of his most incredible performances. Yeah, um, but just looked like a stick, like. Yeah, yeah. I saw the master a couple of years ago. It's a dark fucking movie. Yeah, all P.T. Anderson movie. Well, oh. not, I guess not the new one, not Licorice Pizza. That wasn't too dark. Yeah, that was more of like no. a, a hangout kind of feel good movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bradley Cooper was fucking great in that movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't mean to. No, you're good. You, though, but yeah, you were you're talking good. about. Um, um, yeah, I'm still I, here. I'm still yeah. here. Um, yes. Well, I, I feel like he was uh, really doing a parody of what celebrity culture was, especially at that time. That was like maybe like 2008, 2009. Um, and it was a big deal because he was playing it 100 yeah. percent serious to the public. It, it's Everyone Joaqu believed it. Joaquin Phoenix. He said, I'm going to be a rapper. Like, I'm, uh, I'm, so, I'm doing a rap career now. I'm doing music. And uh, it's basically performance art, what he was doing. It's Absolutely. similar to, like, Andy Kaufman or Very something much. like that. Very much, yeah, yeah. Um, I think Casey... Because the movie wasn't... Ju it wasn't just the movie. It was his life happening around the movie. It was, it was just as theatrical. Yeah, yeah. But it was so believable. Everyone believed it. Yeah. Yeah, that guy... Mind-blowing. Him him going into shit on that guy and then, then bringing those chicks over and that guy with oh, the big God. dick would come out. Uh, do you remember that? Yeah, when, yeah in, the, in his apartment. Yeah, yeah. 
ridiculous. I did um, an episode of another podcast uh, that I used to do called Man of Science, Man of Faith. We did a whole episode on I'm Still Here, and we broke down the, the whole thing. Um, wow. So you should go check that out if you've never checked it out. Yeah, it, it was super fun. But I'm a big Joaquin Phoenix fan. I'll always check um, into whatever he's doing. Yeah, he's me he's too. doing a, a movie with uh, Ridley Scott, a Napoleon movie. Yeah, it, I think it's coming out soon. It's coming out it soon. That's good. I want it to be accurate, though. Like, I want the like the letters in the movie of Napoleon talking about, like, girls farting in his face and liking them being unwashed and all that shit. Yeah. I want it to be accurate. I want it to be real. Well, we'll see. Yeah, I guess there's, like, a four-hour cut of it. Um, are you a big uh, PTA fan? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Boogie Nights is one of my all-time Boogie favorite Boogie Nights movies. is amazing. Yeah, um, there will be blood, obviously. Yeah. Incredible. Punch Chuck Love is really good. That is a good one. Um, yeah, I like the, I don't, yeah, yeah, his, all of his shit's good. I just saw his first movie recently. What's it called? It's like the eight. With, uh, uh John C. Riley is in it. Samuel L. Jackson is in it too, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 And who's the, the Heart old eight? dude? Heart Eight. Yeah. Heart Eight. Yeah. I yeah. just watched that for the first time yeah. recently. It's good. Completely different. You could tell it's the first movie. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen that one. I've seen most of his movies. I haven't seen that one, and I haven't seen the other one that he did with Daniel Day-Lewis, the second one. Oh, Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread. I have not seen that one. That one was almost boring. Okay. But classic PTA, like the way it ends and unfolds, it's basically a love story, like his character, it's almost like impossible for him to love or accept love. Or, oh, shit. And the way it unfolds is fucking mind-blowing. Because he sets, it's, the, the movie is so kind of just flatlined and borderline boring. Yeah. Um, aside from the great acting that the girl, the, I, I can't remember her name, that op, plays opposite of him. Um, but the way it ends... I'm not going to tell you. Okay, you need to see I'll it. have to. I'll have to but watch. But I'm not going to. I don't want to give it away. But it is. It's that and heartache. Maybe that, my least favorite movie of his, but the ending is as good as any ending in any movie okay. I've ever seen. I guess except he's, for Apocalypto. You seen that one? Uh, the that, Mel is Gibson that, one. Apocalypto. Uh, no, but I know. Dude, I know what it is. You know what the ending is? I don't know what the ending is. Oh my god! I just you hear it's like a too. like a like a fucking acid trip. It's yeah, it is. But it's like high action, but not like Hollywood produced. Like, no known actors in it, all natives, and they actually spoke the native. It's 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 about the Mayan Empire. Yeah. Um. And I won't tell you the ending because it, that shit comes out of nowhere. Speaking of Mel Gibson, have you ever seen um, Dragged Across Concrete? No. Okay, so uh, do you know who the director? Um, look, look up who the director is. I can't remember what his name is. Oh, I remember it. Uh, S. Craig Zoller. He did um, Bone Tomahawk. Did you see Bone Tomahawk? No. Okay, dude, watch Bone Tomahawk. It's a horror western. Uh, he is a fantastic fucking director. He also did... You're not really a horror movie guy, though, right? No. I remember. <laughs> I remember funny. you saying that. It's funny. I, I, I actually have a film studies minor. Oh, okay. And one of my classes that I had, I had to have one more class to graduate, and the only one I could get was horror film. 
Oh, and shit. And I, I hated horror movies, like, in a bad, bad way. Like, they fucked me up. But, but I had to confront that fear. <laughs> Fortunately, my teacher was great. Um, but, yeah. Uh, so, I could, yeah, I can deal with it. I mean, I... This is... It's not an overtly horror tone. Um, but it's fantastic. Kurt Russell is in it. A um, couple other great actors are in it. Uh, Patrick Wilson, who's who's in the uh, I think the Insidious movies. He also played Night Owl and Watchmen. Um, but it was uh, really fucking good. But I strongly recommend his movies. I think you would dig them. Okay. He's I'll like he's an auteur cool. di- director the same way that um, that David Lynch or Paul Thomas Anderson is. Like I, he's only released three movies. So Bone Tomahawk was his first movie. His second movie was a movie um, with Vince Vaughn, Brawl and Cell Block 88, I think that's what it's called, or 99 maybe. Brawl and Cell Block 99, there we go. Um, and Vince Vaughn, he played, it's, it's very like 70s pulp, like there's no hope in the world, kind mm-hmm. of, like Death Wish kind of tone. Um, but his masterpiece, in my opinion, is Dragged Across Concrete, and that's Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson. Um, but yeah, dude, check out his movies. Cool. Uh, I, I say Dragged is one of the best movies that's been released in the past 20 years. Wow. Um, but the reason I mentioned the horror thing is because he also wrote a remake of Puppet Master, or it was really a sequel or like a reboot, um... But he's, in general, he's great. Uh, that Puppet Master terrified me when I was a kid. Like, I was so afraid of Puppet Master. Do you remember <laughs> that ne- movie? I never saw it because I was terrified of all those movies. Yeah, so there, there's one guy that's, like, one puppet that's kind of the leader. He wears a top hat and has a hook hand, and it just scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. I like it now, but uh, I guess in a way it's me confronting my yeah. fears. yeah. Um, and my sister, she'll randomly like send me a picture of of that fucking, just uh, you know, make me scared or whatever. So just something that she's always done since we were kids, because she knows I'm afraid of everything. But um, yeah, I'm, I, I would say honestly, movies, even more so than music, um, is the biggest influence I think on on my music. Because mm-hmm. um, it just, I always feel so inspired. Because I'll, I'll go on director kicks like i'll go on a pta kick or a david lynch kick and then it's just like the mood the energy i soak up yeah. and then i try and put that in to my music absolutely i do the same i get a lot of just lyrical ideas watching mm-hmm. watching movies that are good yeah oh uh by the time this comes out i'll have a song that i just released called uh switchblade economics and it was written, uh, I was watching the, the Andor show. Did you watch the Andor show? Uh, no, I didn't, didn't quite get into that. But I, I love the Star Wars world. <laughs> yeah, so Andor, super different than everything else Star Wars. It's really like a... I, uh, I was going to be talking about Star Wars. <laughs> a political... Dude, we talk about everything on this show. Um, it's really like a political thriller. Uh, but there's this one character who gives a great speech towards one of the later episodes and um i i lifted straight from his monologue but he uh the lyric is i've I've, uh made my mind a sunless space i share my dreams with ghosts 
So I just kind of did that and mashed it up with the Tears in the Rain speech in um, Blade Runner, at the end of Blade Runner, mm -hmm. that Rutger Hauer gives. Mm -hmm. um, it's just movies that I, I, I feel like even more so than music is like, once you get to a certain point and you have your style or your sound or what you do, you have to, to go out of things other than music. Because then you just start like directly lifting oh, yeah. from people that you love. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, I try not to. God, I mean, I don't even. Sometimes I almost feel like I hate music now. <laughs> I can't listen to it anymore. Really? I mean, I can and I do, you know, but it's hard. It's like, yeah. I definitely don't get inspired by contemporary artists, I feel like, you know. I, there's a lot of them that I love, but I definitely don't get inspiration or, or draw influence from that because i don't know i think i don't know it's almost like i can't listen to a song without just just completely analyzing it i know what you, you know mean. What i mean i can't like actually enjoy it unless it's something that i'm not expecting to hear and i'm somewhere and i hear a song and i'm like oh man this is good but like if i were to hunt that out or someone send it to me even it's like i ain't listening to that shit <laughs> for me i feel like uh it, it's always when something shuts off in me and I'm actually just listening and I'm in the moment listening to the song without figuring out like what kind of bass amp were they using, what uh what was the what studio were you know, all those yeah. questions, all the musician questions. Yeah. Where I can just really have my hair fucking blown back by something. Mm -hmm. Every now and then, it well, that's happens. the thing. Usually, when something's good, it doesn't matter what what your mentality is yeah, going yeah. into it. If it's good, it's going to blow your hair back. Yeah, you're just going to feel. Yeah, yeah, it'll just stop yeah. you right in your tracks, dude. I remember the first time that I saw you guys play. It was um, at the five spot, and Nikki from Those Darling, she was playing oh, she bass was playing, that night. That was a that brief night. little era. Where yeah. she played with us for a couple months. Yeah. It was and, a very good time. Um, your guys' show is fucking crazy. You're a great live band. Thanks. It's it's almost like I feel like the ambulance is on the way. The accident just happened. <laughs> like, that's the vibe on stage. It's just, like, terror. Sometimes it probably should be. Yeah. The funny form. Yeah. Yeah. You were outside like smoking a cigarette and the band just started playing. Um, and you had finished your cigarette and walked in and it was just like, boom, yeah, this is what we're that. doing right now. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. That was back when I wasn't even playing guitar. I think I had stopped playing guitar in the band. I was just. Yeah. You were just fronting over the band it that night. Yeah. I'm back, back with the guitar now though. Really? Yeah. Oh, you're, you play a Les Paul, a right? more reserved. <laughs> Yeah, Les Paul. Nice. Yeah. What uh, what kind of Les Paul is it? Um, I don't. It's red and yellow, orange. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> no, I think it's a. It, I think it was actually it was my brother's one of his first guitars. It was an Epiphone Les Paul. Oh, but nice. But he had all the electronics taken out and had like fancy pickups in there and stuff put in there. Um, I don't know. I think it's a ninety. One or ninety-two, I don't know. It's weird. It's the only guitar that I really play or ever have played because I didn't. It was just free. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't buy it. I don't think I've ever played a guitar that I've actually bought. Really? Or an amp? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. I don't know why that is. I think it, there's just something for, for me. It's like, hey, the universe brought it to you. Right. And that's why I keep because I don't really necessarily love Les Paul's either. Yeah. I love mine just because I've played it forever and I know it. Yeah. But it's not my, it's not the guitar I think I would choose if it didn't choose me, you know. There's something um, beautiful about that. Yeah, though. and I've just always kind of, uh, just the, the approach with music for me, it's always been like, I don't like hearing about what kind of guitar you're playing or what amp you're playing or like, who fucking cares? Can you play it? Well, Keith Richards <laughs> said, uh, Within five can, minutes, can you, you use it? Give him a guitar, and in any amp, it's gonna sound like Keith Richards. Yeah, yeah, that's like that whole that old story with Chet Atkins back when he was producing stuff on Music Row, and he was playing this like acoustic guitar, being Chet Atkins. Mm -hmm. Of course, it sounded amazing, and someone walks in and is like, "Oh man, that guitar sounds so good!" And he stopped playing it, handed it to me. He goes, "How's it sound now?" <laughs> <laughs> what an asshole! Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, that mentality, like, who cares? If it works, if it makes noise, you know. If it works, it works. Definitely want to stay in tune. That helps. Yeah, it does help. So how do you stay, like, it, your approach to everything seems to be just very, um, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for, but so I'll go back to something we were saying earlier in this conversation. Stream of consciousness. But you seem very in the moment creatively speaking how do you stay in that space do you even know i don't stay in there that's i don't put rec i don't i i it takes me a long time to put out a record because if i'm not in that space i ain't putting it out you know um i always think that maybe i could create a routine for myself and like get in a, a daily routine and tap into that space and a lot of writers do and a lot of my favorite writers talk about that and mm -hmm. i've tried it it, I've just never been able to find that. I'm just one of those people. It's like it's either there or not, and when it's there, you have to, you have to go after it. You know, um, that's kind of stream of consciousness, I guess, that approach. But lyrically, dude, I will kill myself for years sometimes over lyrics, um, and that's not stream of consciousness at yeah, all. No, no. <laughs> I mean, it's completely opposite. Um, so, yeah, there's both elements of that, I guess. Well, how do you um, know when something is done? Do you just know? You just know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And me, and most For me, it's usually the lyrics. You know, the music and everything comes to me pretty easy. Or what I do, it's not like it's that special or anything. But the lyrics are the thing that I labor over. Because it, it's forever, you know? Yeah. You put it out, it's forever. I'd rather put out one great song than a hundred okay ones or decent or even just kind of good mm -hmm. you know well how do you go through that culling process of choosing what is going to be like the most recent record did you know going in you were going to play all those songs or was it something yeah, yeah i knew what songs we were going to do because they were sure. done yeah yeah and they were they seemed like a record you know they fit together yeah yeah, I wasn't. I didn't have any problems with that. That was obvious. What is the thread that kind of ties those songs together? That's a very good question. Um, 
I think just uh, acknowledging suffering and using it as a power instead of an oppressor, you know? That whole thing, like, I don't know, I always feel like even just playing shows, but especially recording music and everything, I always, like, my brain is always, like, when I'm doing it, I feel like I'm fixing something. Like, that's, like, this is my job. Just to, I'm, I'm going to fix this, you know, whatever this I'm writing about or whatever it's like. And in a weird way, it's usually, like, just existential shit going on inside of me. But in a weird way, I feel like at least something inside of me I do fix whenever whenever the song is real and done. You know, but like playing shows, I'm just like trying to fix every, just the world, <laughs> you know, which is impossible. Yeah. But like that's just my mentality with it. You know, it's like just fighting. You know. Well, it's it's the uh, there's there's a uh, to bring up another great movie. Um, have you ever seen the house that Jack built? No. Okay. Well, there's a great line in this movie. But I want to see that. It's dude. It is yeah. so fucked up it's probably the most fucked up movie i've ever seen um but there's a line in it um that says the uh is that lars von trier it is oh shit yeah um he says the um man talk about dark it's very dark his the, movies every one of them i can't it, watch i can only watch them once you're only going like, to be able to watch the, this once. yeah they're all the best movies i've ever seen <laughs> yeah too. this is one of the best but, movies yeah. i've ever seen yeah i've got to see that but uh, the line is the body belongs or the soul belongs to heaven and the body belongs to hell. And I think there's a there's a conflict that exists inside of every that one of us. Like Lars Ron, that sounds like every one of his movies. Yeah. That sums them all up, honestly. Well, I feel like there's there's something, you know, and I'm, I'm saying this as a compliment. There's something similar in your in your music. Oh, man, I, I take that as a compliment. And thank you. Yeah. It's the darkness. I see what you mean, but yeah. there is uh, uh, an element of hope, I guess, and for and sure belief. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some man, I loathe writing songs and doing doing it. It's just it's so draining and it it hurts uh, so much. <laughs> um, which is yeah, I, I I totally relate to Lars von Trier that whole. Because, you know, when I, I read my lyrics and even when I hand them to friends, they're just like, Jesus, man, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> like, they're pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But I try to make, well, the, it's but real. I try to make the music, like, a little more uplifting, you know? Yeah. I try not to use too many minor chords. and High energy. High energy. And it's a fight, you yeah. know, between heaven and hell. Yeah. Um, a knife fight. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, musically, you got you guys like that's that's exactly how I would describe your music. It, it sounds like a like a knife fight, like a back alley brawl. I love that. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, you guys were really the the first East Nashville band that I that I knew of when I when I moved here because um, I had seen some flyer where um, you were playing a show with those Darlins. This I think this I was, that was moving their last tour. I was yeah. just moving to town as they, they were ending because, like, I had seen a lot about them when I was mm -hmm. living in Maine, and I thought this is a really badass band, and I'm super into this, and if this is what that and, like, the Black Keys and Jack White were here as well. But um, 
I, I had seen all their videos and I had listened to uh, that Screws Get Loose record, which is Great fucking record. phenomenal. Awesome record. Um, but yeah, I, I I like Blur the Lines though. I think the most yeah. that last one. Yeah, yeah, God, it's a good record it's so too. Fucking good. I like In the Wilderness. Yeah, you, remember, you know that one. Yeah, yeah, Ain't Afraid that song. Yeah, That Man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, good album. Yeah, it, it are any of the I know Jesse has passed, but are any of the other people that are in the band still in Nashville? Yeah, Linwood, the guy who played drums, drums and bass with him for a while. He's still here. I see him from time to time. Nikki, who uh, who was playing bass? That was the same. That was when those darlings were breaking up, and she was playing bass. With yeah, us. they were, they were just kind of on the outs, and she was looking to play. But she moved to England. Oh shit! And she's married and has two kids now. Oh but shit! But she's a painter, a fantastic painter. Oh okay. Uh, I think she's doing just a lot of that. She's not playing music anymore. Damn. Um, I wish she was. If you're out there, Nikki, wish you were. Yeah, they were. Uh, <laughs> they were badass, dude. Like, uh, just seeing, like, I would always go, there was this record store in my hometown called Bull Moose, um, and they're a uh, northern New England chain, but they always had, like, recommendations of shit you should check out, like, on the aisles. It was like the cool record store, you know what I mean? Um, and I remember getting a 45 of Screws Get Loose, or maybe it was Be Your Bro, I can't remember which one it was. They might have both been on the, on the same 45. Um, and just hearing that and seeing the video of, like, Linwood running across the the bridge, like, the Korean Veterans Bridge downtown. Mm-hmm. And just being like, okay, this is what's going on yeah. in Nashville. Did you ever see them live? I never saw oh, them because it was, it was right when I was moving here that was ending. They were very special live, especially Jesse. Yeah, I've like, seen videos of them. Damn. Like, intimidating. Yeah. Tiny, tiny, she's a tiny little girl, but like, yeah. I mean, just fucking scared to look at her and that look at her in the eyes. I mean, intense. Amazing. Yeah, but like good intense. Yeah. Like, not like heavy metal intense. Just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I just female you. intense. Just, just badass. Just yeah. pure feminist energy. Like, it, like a, just a fucking giant. I mean, so, so good. So good sad that she's gone yeah r.i.p they were they were honestly a great fucking band but yeah as soon as i moved here they were just breaking up so it's like oh shit well i guess the party's over um but it was still a little while before i got involved in like the the east nashville scene because when i when i first moved here i was just so like introverted no one really wants to fuck with you or talk to you because you're new to town you don't have a reputation yet um, yeah, so back then there was a little more of that too. Cause yeah, it was still, it was a younger neighborhood, East yeah. Nashville. You know, um, but now it's not so much like that. I feel like it, people are pretty eager. Yeah, to connect. Yeah, um, I would say so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I have over two hundred fucking episodes of the yeah. podcast, so it ended, <laughs> yeah. I ended yeah. up connecting with a lot of people. <laughs> but um, it, it took a minute. You know, I was going out to blues jams, and that's where I honestly, I met a lot of the, the people that I, I know today, like the reveal, they're a great band here in town. And my friendship really started out with, with them because they had also moved here not very long, um, after I did. And they were also from kind of like a factory town. I wasn't necessarily from a factory town, but in Maine where I grew up, 
everybody's dad works at Bath Ironworks. It's like a union gig. Like the, it's what you hope to get. You hope to be able to get a job at Bath Ironworks. And people drive two hours each way to be able to get a job there. Because wow. it pays well. Yeah. Um, That's weird. But But with it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, and that life wasn't for me. I couldn't yeah. do it. But they're from a place that's also like that, where they're from Kokomo, Indiana, and it, there's a lot of car factories there. So everybody's dad in Kokomo works at one of the car factories. Um, but I think just having them and someone that was, re- like, relatable experience, moved from a small town that was kind of like a big little city in a lot of ways mm-hmm. to Nashville – it was nice to feel like I had someone who understood me because I was so intimidated when I would first go out. Like even I don't even know if I, if I met yeah, you the, the night. Yeah, the music scene is especially yeah coming from. It's an intimidating place to be. Yeah. Um, because everyone's just so damn good. Yeah. Yeah. Like and the jam that I went to, Kara uh, Lipman ran it. It was Tuesday nights at. The country. It used to be the local. Over yeah, I remember at, that place. Yeah, yeah, over by Vanderbilt mm-hmm. out on West End. And um, there was just killer fucking players that were there. Jazz is up there talking to us. Or is that Marie? I think it's one of them. One of the cats is, is talking upstairs. They're crying. They want to come down here. Um, but it was killer to uh, to go out. And there was plenty of times where I just got my dick knocked in the dirt. Like, I, dude, I ate shit so many times on, like, a slow blues. I hate a slow blues, dude. I mean, I don't mind listening to it. It's cool. It's fine. But as a bass player, it was like you, we were talking about outside yeah. earlier. You can't be bombing notes. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It's obvious when the it's bass even, player is off. Especially when it's a slow, oh, dude. slow one. It's even worse. I, I died a thousand <laughs> deaths on stage. And luckily not the first couple of times I went up. Because they knew I was new to town. And you just get thrown up with whoever. There's honestly, there's a lot of people that are fucking dicks at blues jams too. Like they're yeah. elitist. It's like you got to play the blues just this way. Just saying blues jams makes me want to run. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. It was a, it was a good experience to see. Because there was times where I played with people. I don't know. They were like random people that were like, uh, you know, uh, fucking guitarist for, I don't know. I'm just throwing a name out there, not necessarily. Like, someone like Tim McGraw, they would go to those jams. Yeah. Um, and just going and eating shit in front of someone like that, sharing the stage with them. I'd eat shit on purpose if Tim McGraw was in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it was def- definitely a, uh, a challenge and uh, made me grow a lot as a player. Yeah. Oh, dude, no doubt, yeah. Because you yeah, realize you can die a thousand deaths. I can't go down there and play with those people. No way in hell. Not there's even, a, not even a lot on a 12 guts. bar blues? There's a lot of guts. <laughs> not even. Not even. Oh, man. Yeah, no. I, there's no way in hell. There's no way in hell I could do that. It's it's terrifying. Yeah. I still get, um, like, anxiety. Like, I, I've played all sorts of shows in Nashville. and done all sorts of shit I've played down on Broadway. But going to a blues jam is fucking nerve-wracking. Because you never know, like, who you're going to get to, like, play with and if they're going to be cool or not. Because that's the whole thing. Because, like, they'll call out some random – I have this – Why do you sign yourself up for that? Because, <laughs> it, it, because it's good. It life is suffering. Better. Yeah, there you go. 
but they'll call like a random like Joe Cocker version of the letter or something like that. A song I've never fucking heard before. I know the letter and I know Joe Cocker, but I don't know his version of the song. Um, and they'll just be offended like the, the blues fucking, it's like the soup Nazi, you know, in, uh, in Seinfeld. No blues yeah. for you. Um, but they'll get mad at you for not knowing it. And it's like, dude. Oh, God, they would be so mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> and as a bass player, they're, they're like, oh, we'll just, just shout at you and tell you the fucking note. So I'm hanging on by the fucking seam of my pants trying to trying to play and make sure I don't hit any bad notes because everybody knows. Yeah. There's no escaping it. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever the blues jam is, I'm not going. <laughs> hey, you know what? Well, that's the beautiful thing about Nashville is you can find where you belong. There's many different avenues you can go down. Yeah, I guess you're right. There was a, a guy that I used to work with. His name was Richard. He was probably in his time at the late 70s when I first met him where I was working. You know that apartment I lived at? Mm-hmm. Well, I worked for that company, and he worked at this place. We worked together at this place called the Cedars. And he used to be the drummer for, like, Willie Nelson um, in Austin. Like, he lived in Austin, knew Willie. Willie told him to come to town. But he um, he told me, because it was right when I was first, like, getting here, he said, Nashville's like a honeycomb. And he said, there's all these different beehives that don't really – jive they're like all the they're like it's like uh like when different groups of bees meet each other they have to like mediate and communicate in whatever way they do to decide like who needs to fuck off or if they have to fight to the death um and that's kind of what it's like i feel like in some ways in nashville and my goal always with this podcast was to kind of be that unifying Mm -hmm. thing between all the different scenes because it's like I'll have, you know, someone artistically who's on like you, but I'll also have on like an engineer or some shit. Yeah. Or I'll have on um, another singer-songwriter. Um, and I just have always wanted to be, to That's unify. Great. I think you're doing a good job. Thank you. Like it, I appreciate and it. I hope there, you there's, keep going. There's so much here. And that's that's why really I, I love it. Yeah. I mean, you must. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, We're down here in the basement yeah. doing it. <laughs> Hey, you know what? I think that's the other thing. I always wanted the the show to have the vibe of like Eric Foreman's basement from that '70s show. Yeah, and I feel like it's it's really been captured yeah. now because we're down in a basement. Yeah, we we are. Yes, <laughs> we definitely are. I like it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's been a it's been a gift to be able to to be here and do it and just a well, scene. just doing it alone is a gift. I yeah, mean, that's. That's awesome. I Absolutely. Mean, keep going. It's great. Yeah. Dude, you know what? I I don't even think I could quit if I wanted to. That's what you I'm know? talking about. Yeah, I, I would love to be able to, to talk it's shit. It's not about the money. Yeah, no, it's really I know you're making a lot of really money doing not. this, but <laughs> you'd do it even if it wasn't. Yeah. You know. Absolutely, for sure, 100%. <laughs> it's a labor of love, <laughs> as Danny knows. Um. But it's uh, it's definitely a challenge sometimes. But what what else would I honestly do? Where else would I be? I think about leaving Nashville sometimes, but it's never like a serious thought. Mm-hmm. I'm like maybe I'll leave for like a summer and go in Colorado and like record a record or something. Oh, yeah, I do that too. I've yeah, been here my whole life. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> I can't get out. 
But yeah. you kind of have, I mean, like, you kind of have to, you don't have to be here, but it makes you better. If you want to play music, being in this city will make you better. You, it, it's not a city to come to to quote-unquote make it, but if you want to get good, this is the place to fucking be, you know? Yeah. Just watching people play, like, there's, like, that whole osmosis shit is going on in Nashville, you know? Just going to see shows and see pe watching people play, you learn so much. Um, and there's not many cities like that in the world. No. I mean, anywhere, any night. Well, to have... You can see good shit here. I feel like the... Even the Blues Jams. Even the Blues Jams. <laughs> even the Riders Rounds over by Belmont. And the Riders Rounds. Uh, <laughs> Somewhere, some, there's there's one of those going on right now. Right now. There's a Riders You're round. absolutely right. <laughs> uh, there's a lower barrier to entry. There's a Riders Round I feel run. Like we should just... Get, find a writer's night every night of the week. Me and you will go check them all out. Well, we can. We'll write I'm, reviews. I mean, there, there's probably <laughs> ten a night in this sound. So. Ten a night? Yeah. Damn. I mean, no joke. You're, I can tell you're not joking. Yeah. There might actually be ten writer, writers in the rounds going on tonight. I would. Holy. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. There's probably at least three or four happening as we speak. Damn. I know, I know, like Belcourt Taps does them and, and all of that, too. Yeah. They're, they're everywhere, dude. Everywhere. What about Blues Jams? How many of those do you think are going on there's, right now? There's, there's a, probably at least one or two Blues Jams. Like, there's the, the Monday Night Jam at Bourbon Street, um, which I honestly never really liked that jam. The, the guys, they play super well, but they also play for like an hour and a half, two hours. So you're not getting up on stage until like 10 or 11. And you're playing three songs at a Blue Sham. Yeah. And you're being thrown up with random people. The one I always liked going to well, was Carriage Jam, Caribbean Blue, um, over at the country. And then there's a really badass one at Pop Attorney's out on Percy Priest Lake. Never even heard of that. It's cool, dude. Best barbecue in Nashville. Um, the house band that plays there on Wednesday nights, they're called Three Bean Soup. And they're kind of like a meter-style blues funk um and they're guys who have lived in nashville for a you super my face super long blazing time over <laughs> i'm out no, there I'm dude not, i've done all I sorts like of blues. shit i like yeah. blues i just don't like blues jams yeah hey you know they're not for everybody <laughs> yeah anyway anyway <laughs> no, <I'm> just... <laughs> I know I sound like a dick, but I am a little bit of a dick. I just don't like, I don't, I don't like all those jam things, man. I hate like that whiskey jam shit. Mm -hmm. Is whiskey jam still happening? To do you? not want anything yeah. to do that with happens. any of that. Yeah. I've never been to whiskey jam, so I can't speak. to I don't it, know what it is. I don't know what's wrong with me. Well, right. you know what you like. I don't <laughs> think there's anything wrong with that. And more importantly, you know what you don't like. I'm kidding on the internet, just bashing blues jams and riders rounds. Yeah. Whiskey Jam is a time-tested source of great live music. For 10 years, we have hosted some of music's best writers and artists, often before they became household names. For the artists, we provide an honest and discon uh, discerning crowd. It's a proving ground. Mm, sounds like the Blues Jam. Yeah. It's a jam. That's what those jams are. It's like you got to get up there and show them what you got. <laughs> 
You don't really strike me as a, as a jammer. No, I hate jamming. I hate sitting around fires and playing guitar at a party. You're very intentional I, I in what you do. I can't stand it. Anyway. Hey, you know, there's something out there for everybody. Right, right. Um, so when did you first start playing? Like, what got you into playing music? Um... Uh, I heard the album Vitology by Pearl Jam. Okay. Funny enough, um, the song Corduroy. Okay. It just fucked me up, man. I was like in a really, just, just in a dark period of my life. I was late teens, like all late teens are in dark periods, <laughs> I guess. But it just hit me so hard, man. Um, and I just wanted to, like, I just, it made me want to just, I just felt so much. I just made me want to write and express say things mm -hmm. mainly lyrics is the reason i ever picked up a guitar i just want to write songs mm -hmm. um but yeah but it was that same thing is that feeling you know that just that energy just that just made me feel so alive no pun intended alive <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it just i don't know it just felt like a human rally or something you know when i would when i would hear that that kind of music and obviously i love lots of other music um, but that people are always so surprised. It's like I'm a little bit surprised was, by that. That. Was the, that was the album that got me. I don't really, you know, I don't really. I'm not a big fan of their re stuff, you know. Since then, really, sure. I guess since like No Code, I love that one. But even their earliest stuff, like the first record, I'm not crazy about. Um, that was that ten. Ten was the first one. Yeah. Versus was the second one. I like that one. But there was just that, I don't know, something just clicked in me when I heard that. Well, album. Eddie Vedder is a poet. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he is a, uh, a fighter for humanity. That's what I love about him. He mm -hmm. cares. He does and care. And I could feel that, yeah. you know. That's what I connected with. He just cared. Yeah. Um, and that's what got me. I just went and bought an acoustic guitar and. I mean, I was old. I was like 18 oh, you know, when I started. But Were you already graduated from school? Uh, I was out of high school, yeah. Okay. Um, so you were just kind of kicking around trying to figure out what to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's a um, shitty period when you're not old enough to buy alcohol yet, but you're technically an adult. Yeah. You have to start paying taxes. Yeah. When you're old enough to go, yeah. like, die in a war. <laughs> yeah. But you still can't really do anything yet. Right. You can't do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Technically. I was having my own whiskey jams at home. <laughs> no, yeah, it was it was it's strange how it happened. Even when I look back on it, there was no music in my family. No my brother and I both. Scott started before I did though, so there was a little bit of element of him he had started playing a year or so before, but Yeah, he's older than you, right? Yeah. We loved a lot of the same music. And it just came to me really you know. It came to me really easy. You know, I don't consider myself a great musician by any means, but like, I think I told myself when I started playing, I was like, I, I think I was 18 or 19. I was like, all right, by the time I'm 21, I want to be able, good enough to make a record. Um, and within three months' time, I was already writing songs and like was, I mean, I didn't sit the damn thing down. I was playing eight, 10 hours a day when I started playing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just, it came came quick and I feel I can kind of I feel like I just generally can pick up instruments and play them 
but I'm one of those people that don't, I don't practice. I don't like practicing, although I've, you know, I say that I've obviously practiced enough to be able to play the fucking thing. Sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, it just, it's weird. I just, I just, I feel like I can just kind of figure things out and it comes to me, you know, pretty mm -hmm. easy. Um, lucky in that sense because I don't want to practice. <laughs> when did Justin and the Cosmic start? That started, uh, I was in a band with my brother and his wife, Kim, mm -hmm. called Pale Blue Dot. We started that when I was like 20. Um, we made several records together. Oh, shit, okay. Um, terrible. Like, I hate, I, some of it's good. The substance, the soul's there, but we clearly didn't know what we were fucking doing. Um, and then it just got to a point where just the classic creative differences thing started happening and I just wanted to do my own thing and, yeah you know but funny enough Scott still plays with me you know he, he's in the in the cosmics but that's when that happened yeah yeah and how long did it take you guys to record your first record oh that one took a week maybe okay and how long um, after you actually started the band oh I see what you're saying uh I think the band started when that's what started the band. Really? Okay. Yeah. Hanging out in my body, right? Hanging out that, my body. Yeah. Yeah, that's what started the band. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite song on that record is uh, Untitled. Mm. I have a hard time listening to that one. I just listening to myself. Really? Yeah. You sound great, I'm glad dude. that, you, that you, you like it, and I appreciate it. It's, it's just really... It's sound. fucking real, it's dude. Picture. I know. It's, it's, vul <laughs> it's so vulnerable, and it makes me... I can't listen to it. Yeah. It makes me cringe talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> but I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. I, mean, I definitely was in a zone and felt it and meant it, you know. I, yeah. I, but it's hard for me to listen to that stuff just because I just feel like I sound like such a kid. Um, which is silly, just me being hard on myself. But yeah, I was proud of the lyrics. I always was proud of the lyrics. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my favorite thing about that one, is the lyrics. Thanks. It's all that matters to me. I feel like the shit that I I really am drawn to, it's the stuff that I can't really explain or necessarily put a finger on. Mm. I feel like any time you can explain a song, it's probably not very good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. And I intentionally try to write that way, to get, which is kind of a David Lynch thing, too. It's like contemplative for the listener. Like, I like it to make you think and figure out your own shit that it's making you well, feel it's impressionist. think about, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. I've yeah. always loved just almost poetic, but not quite, you yeah. know, like a little bit. I would bit say what you of, do like is beat, poetic. Like beat kind of a little yeah. bit of a beat nature yeah you know? yeah um but yeah cool yeah that's what i feel like you you've always like reminded me of uh to, to compare to something for those who have never listened to you it's like a, a fever dream of like a bruce springsteen meets like jack kerouac kind of character i like that yeah that's i love that i get the springsteen thing a lot and i love love springsteen i would never say he was like an influence on me yeah although that would probably be a lie because he influences everyone um his great songs though to me are like some of the best shit ever do you like nebraska love nebraska okay yeah yeah i'm a fan of that yeah that's a great fucking love, album. yeah I, I i do love him but it's i get that comparison a lot and it definitely is not like 
I wouldn't even put him in my top ten, maybe. Yeah. You know. Well, like, I, I I would say that um, like you you absolutely have your own sound, but there's something very I think. Um, and again, I mean this in a very positive way. I think it's a way. blue collar thing, probably. Yes, that I was just gonna say it's like a very it's a modern, salt of the earth. It's more of a modern version of that. Yeah, I think, but it is. Yeah. Well, it's the that's the thing I've always felt about music. It's like I kind of grew up in a blue collar family. Mm-hmm. Um, I escaped doing that kind of work by like playing music or doing fucking sales jobs. But I feel like music in a lot of ways I've always tried to take a blue collar mentality with it. Mm-hmm. Where it's like you're showing up to do a job. Yeah. Um, if yeah, that's like I was saying. Like I always feel like, especially with shows, like I'm, try- I'm fixing something. That's like my attitude. Like yeah. I'm here to fix something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just so weird. Yeah. But it is. It's that same like blue collar shit. Yeah. You know? um, I'm from the Midwest. I was born in Missouri, you know, too. Mm-hmm. That might have something to do with it. I yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I get the Springsteen thing a lot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, your music's beautiful, dude. I mean, I've, I've you, told man. you before, Ripping the Heart, that's like the first, like, one of the first songs I, I knew from, like, a Nashville artist. Of course, there's yeah. there was other people, like, I was yeah. telling you those darlings, I knew about them, but um, I remember just hearing that song for the, the first time and hearing that bridge. The bridge almost reminds me of, like, a, like an Otis Redding song. That's know? cool. And the, the way that you're kind of singing and the changes that you guys are playing, and it, it's always been something that's really resonated with me. That's awesome, man. Um, and then that. being able to meet you a couple of years ago, seeing you out around town, seeing you play and all of that, it's uh, always been an, an experience, and I'm a really big fan of, of what you do. Dude, thank you so much. You're uh, welcome, man. And, I mean, and I'm a fan of you. Thank also. you. I appreciate it. Um, I don't see you enough. Yeah, I know. We don't. I wish I saw you more. We don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm usually just down in this basement. <laughs> <laughs> grinding it yeah, out. Yeah, grinding it out. Either it's you're either in the basement or at the blues jam. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you know what? Fortunately, not so much the blues jam these days. But it is good, I will say, to go out and get my ass kicked every now and yeah. then at one of those. No, I feel you. It's on a that. reminder of when when I first got here. That's um, that's good, and it's good to always stay in touch with that. Oh yeah. You know, I never want to lose it. I I always want to feel like. Uh, not necessarily like I'm I'm on the ropes per se, but I want to feel like a little like that's something I need to work on. Mm-hmm. And it gets revealed through the act of doing different things, whether it's the podcast and it's like as a person and as an artist, as yeah. a creative. Type. I love that. That's great, man. Um, that's that's a good place to be, and it's just yeah. a great attitude. And that's like that's how you grow. Yeah, you know? I mean, you, it's so easy to get in a rut and being around the same people all the time and doing the same shit every day but like at the end of the day like creating those new avenues in your brain and challenging yourself or just hanging out with people and working with people that are better than you makes you better you know absolutely yeah there was a what happened did we lose ourselves no is that is that 10 seconds oh okay okay 15 minutes okay we're still good um yeah, when it comes to uh, comes to playing and all of that, like I want to be able to do shit that, as a person and as an artist, makes me still uncomfortable. Like um, there's a song that I wrote that I haven't released yet. It's called um, "Revenge of the Prom Night Virgin," but it's about uh, like a, a school shooter from his perspective, 
on what's going on and just like the ugliness of what that emotion is Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and being that blinded by hatred for other people through a hatred for self Mm -hmm. you know it's like a lars von trier maybe yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's fucking dark but there there's i think the darkest shit is the shit that resonates with me because like when you meet me when you talk to me i'm a very positive and, and outgoing guy and i for the most part have a pretty positive outlook on life but i also know that like to take it back to movies, there's a, a great movie, Platoon. You've seen Platoon, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's it's like the um, that whole movie is really about like Barnes and Elias and who Charlie Sheen is going to choose to 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 be more like. And at the end of the movie, there's a strong argument that you can make that he is more like Barnes than he is like Elias because he killed Barnes. So in a way, Barnes won. Um, and Barnes. Tom Berenger has that great speech where he walks in. It's after uh, Willem Dafoe, Elias, his character, gets killed by Tom Berenger um, or basically set up to die. Um, He says, uh, y'all know about killing. Y'all experts. And he goes on this whole fucking monologue. And it's like you can make so many different arguments that – Barnes is the villain of the movie, but is he just a villain of circumstance or is he just purely living in reality? Because that's one of the lines in the speech. It's like, uh, y'all smoke this shit to escape reality and they're like, they're smoking weed and shit. Um, And he's like, I don't need this shit. I am reality. And it's like, is he wrong though? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he is wrong. Man, some I haven't of the, seen that in so long. I barely it, even remember it's that It's a scene, great movie, dude. Yeah. It is a great movie. Heavy watch. Anytime you're going to watch something about Vietnam, it's going to be a heavy watch. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. But just, like, the two kind of counterbalances, I think Barnes and Elias exist inside every one of us. Mm-hmm. And we have to choose at different times who we're going to be. Yeah, that's some schizo shit right yeah, there, buddy. It is. I'm kind of <laughs> crazy. <laughs> no, you're so right. Where can people find the new record? How can people find your music? Uh, it's online, everywhere online. On the internet. On the internet. Justin in the Website, Cosmics. Website, justinthecosmics.com. Cool day. Vinyl. We have. We do have vinyl. Uh, all the record stores here in Nashville have it. Oh, badass. There's one out in California. What's the name of that record store? Cobraside? Or, I don't know. Uh, yeah, vinyl. Everything's online. Hell yeah! If you want to buy vinyl, go to the website. That's on there. And you got T-shirts. some shows coming up. Uh, yes. The one I was going to say is happening before this podcast comes. Out. But there's <laughs> so another one. November the eighteenth. Eighteenth. At the basement. At the basement. OG basement. Hell yeah! Seven o'clock. It's an early show. Nice. That yeah. is an early show. Over yeah. There. Well, badass, dude. Yeah, maybe we'll go catch a rider, rider in the round. Hey, <laughs> they're in that, that, that part of town. Uh, thanks so much, man. Dude, thanks, thanks for, for coming me. on. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Keep on dreaming. See you next week.